You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is the Roof English Podcast. My name's Darren Adam. Thank you very much for your time. And welcome to a new strand on the podcast service. Every Friday, for the next few weeks at least, we'll be joined by Lydia Athanasopoulou, who, of course, is a recent guest on the podcast. She joined me for an episode of the Week in Iceland, which continues as part of the podcast a few weeks ago. But she joins me today with her music journalist hat very much on as we take a look back through the history of various genres of music in Iceland. Some will be familiar and well-known around the world, others less so, and there is a rich seam of musical history to explore in this country. Lydia, great to talk to you once again. Hello, welcome. Hi there, welcome. Thank you for having me again. You are very welcome, and of course you are in Siglafjöre. We are doing this lockdown style remotely, but the hope is very much that at some point we will be together in person, at least as we have this conversation. Let's start with electronic music, because Iceland has a proud history of that, as do many countries, but the way that Well, all pop music is electronic these days, isn't it? We'll start there. I mean, the days of Kraftwerk, for example, being <laughs> innovators and ahead of the curve, that probably dried up in the mid-80s when everything was electronic. All, all pop music became electronic. So how does Iceland fit into this? Um, well, uh, I totally agree that electronic music has moved away from being just in the clubs or just kind of a, a, a genre style that very few, you know, select people listen to. It has gone into pop music, into trap music. Uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, modular techno from pretty much every country, if you look. And I think it uh, one of the reasons why it has you know, uh, proliferated is because we also now have ease of access to mm. uh, you know, electronic music software and uh, you know, the internet has helped us connect uh, and discover new sounds. And like you said, Iceland does have a pretty strong tradition of And especially now, you notice it that almost all uh, pop music on the radio does have some electronic element, and and not even just kitsch things. It's pretty quality yeah. uh, electronic music in the back. Now, if we go back to the point where electronic music was very much at the forefront of the avant-garde, which is a sort of tautology, isn't it? I guess. Mm -hmm. But um, when in the the fifties and sixties you had Zenakis and you had Stockhausen and various other European composers using electronics in a way that literally had never happened before. People in Iceland must at least have been watching what was happening in parts of Europe. One of the artists I have come across who seems to have been uh, one of the sort of pioneers of that is uh, Magnus Blondal Johansson. He's the Icelandic Stockhausen. Uh, possibly yes, yes. <laughs> an Icelandic Stockhausen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't say I'm an expert on uh, Icelandic uh, music concrete, but it's definitely something that I am trying to research and discover more. And hopefully, um, later on, uh, you know, in one of the episodes, we'll be able to look yeah. at maybe some more experimental uh, sounds. And you know, sort of going back probably to about the 40s and 50s, which is when the music concrete and electroacoustic yeah, yeah. music kind of had its boom. Um, What I have noticed is, especially in the in recent decades, 
is when Iceland really seems to have done a great work. Uh, you know, the, the, the lot of techno music, a lot of you know house music, club nights, uh, quite a few labels popping up here and there, independent ones, but also larger ones that uh, have released a variation of artists. And um, I have selected a few um, a few of them that we could listen to today. Sure. Uh, so. I, I did think that, you know, it might be a bit uh, boring or dry if we do a sort of very strict sort of chronological overview. Uh, and also, Yeah, we can, we can range around in time. Exactly, That's exactly. We, uh, I figured a sort of pick and mix of maybe something older, maybe something newer, something more established, something maybe more underground or up and coming so that that way, uh, you know, it's not uh, boring. And also always when, um, especially when I've had to select uh, music for any kind of show or guest show on my own shows it it always ends up happening I feel the best shows are the ones that have come about sort of empirically so yes. bands or projects or artists that I have discovered through my own uh, experiences or interactions and and less so uh, a strict um, yeah yeah but, it, but it's great it's great fun isn't it finding those connections between not just different artists, but different types of music, different genres of music and the way that they all interconnect. Okay, so with Absolutely. all that in mind, where do you want to start? Because for the casual listener in in very many genres, but certainly pop and, and to a large extent electronic, the casual listener will think Björk. And Björk will be covered as part of our conversations maybe this <laughs> weekend and future weeks as well. There's no doubt about that. But where do you want to start as we look at Icelandic electronic music, which I think is quite a accessible entry point to this. Mm -hmm. uh, well, it's very true. Bjork, while doing while researching these shows, I did notice that she she has already popped up in at least four or five of them yep. <laughs> in some form. <laughs> um, and one great thing about Iceland, because you talked about these connections and discovering them, um, in general, I can very easily go down an internet rabbit hole and just go deeper and deeper and deeper and and uh, I'm a bit of an information hoarder, so I like to know as much as I can about an artist or a project or a label or 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 a sound. And especially with Iceland being such a small country, these connections are um, very strong, very direct, and also it seems quite long lasting. And so, um, you know, you might um, s start by exploring something in electronic music, and then mm. you realize that a member of that band was also in a, in a hardcore band or... And that's a member. very Icelandic thing, isn't it? For Absolutely. I, I spoke to EC, who's the artistic director of Airwaves, about this, and he says, programming, it's a nightmare because you've got, <laughs> you've got four bands who all share a member. So how, you know, how do you schedule them at the same time? You can't. Right. So one of the, I think one of the most well-known electronic acts is, uh, well, perhaps English speakers call them Gus Gus, uh, I think locals call them Guscus. Guscus, yeah. Yeah, and um, they're, they're so well known that I think when I first heard them on the radio, uh, they the producer didn't even mention that they're Icelandic. It's sort of mm. that level of popularity where uh, you no longer need to mention sort of regional or sort of small facts mm. like this because they're just huge. And uh, they started out in back in the 90s, in 1996, and they're, they're sort of... Um, as far as I read, they they refused to be called a band. They preferred the term Fjötlista Hopur, uh, which sort of loosely translates to multidiscipline art collective or circus. And uh, uh, there's there's sort of like a nine person, yeah, multimedia collective with various members coming and going, and and uh, pretty much all of them also having either side projects or having done uh, other musical projects. 
and um, they have at least eleven studio albums. So that's a pretty, a pretty strong discography uh, already. Yeah. And um, uh, recently, about back in twenty twenty, they did an interesting uh, collaboration with Vuk, who you've al already played on the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I figured we could uh, play their track, uh, their collaboration track, because yeah. that. And, and just just on the connections thing, it's mm. you know you, you mentioned everyone playing in each other's band. Um, one of the members of Vuk is also the drummer in Hattari, which right, was, right. was a Eurovision the entry a few years ago exactly, as well. So, yeah, yeah. so there are connections all over the place which we can unpack. And by the way, I yeah. think there's I think there's a place for serious consideration from a musical standpoint of, of that Hattari track as well. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe maybe as part of our episode today as we talk about electronic music, because I think it still stands up as a fantastic record. But anyway, back to Goose Goose. Yeah, so they like uh, some of the larger bands uh, coming out of Iceland, you know, they've, they've toured the world, they've done amazing collaborations with international artists, they've curated things, they've done exhibitions, uh, soundtracks, uh, you know, very, very active. And this is also, I think, very Icelandic, the fact that, uh, like you've said before, people wear many hats mm. uh, and uh, they obviously seem very prolific. And uh, back when they did first come out, it wasn't, uh, in my opinion, it wasn't just sort of good electronic music for Iceland. I think it was good electronic music on a worldwide level, on an international level. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Vuk, uh, like you mentioned, you know, they've uh, won competitions and they've also released, I think, at least three albums uh, until now. And uh, like you said, they also share members with uh, the Eurovision uh, band Hattari. Um, so, yeah, I figured we could listen to a track that combines their two strengths. So sort of interesting electronic elements and uh, sort of um, nice pop vocals and, and uh, something quite, quite uh, easy to listen to. And so this is? Uh, so the song I've picked is called uh, Higher.
It was Goose and Higher, and as we said a few moments ago, you really could pick from 11 different albums, Lydia. And I think back to the first time that we heard Goose Goose, we've been coming to Iceland since the late 1990s. Um, Star Lovers was the song that really stuck out for us. I think that was mm-hmm. maybe on even their debut album or second album, mm-hmm. which I remember purchasing in Iceland in a record store which may not no longer even be there to be honest because mm. things have changed so very much but i remember it costing even then about twice as much as a cd would have done <laughs> in, the, in the uk so maybe at some point we talk about streaming and the way that that has made music more accessible to people in, in, mm-hmm. in iceland as it has done elsewhere okay mm-hmm. um so that's goose goose where are we going next um, so next I've selected, uh, so he is associated with Iceland, even though he's originally uh, from Australia, um, sort of Australian Icelandic uh, composer called Ben Frost. And I think a lot of people probably know Ben Frost or his music without realizing it. And uh, he's also been around for well over a decade and he's a composer, record producer, sound designer, director, And uh, he did one of his most recent, more popular projects was he did the soundtrack to the Netflix series, 1899. Mm. And uh, he also did the soundtrack for that German show, Dark, which I know was very popular. Yes. Um, But uh, his his music is definitely very cinematic and uh, it's got beautiful textures and sort of throbbing, throbbing vibrations and... Uh, sort of beautiful sonic la- landscapes, let's say. And I think this obviously lends itself very well to uh, soundtrack music. Um, but he's also done a reimagining of Tarkovsky's Solaris soundtrack, which uh, I enjoyed. And he's done video game soundtracks. And he's also got a really great discography. Um, and one thing I found quite interesting is, so because for all of these projects or musicians we're going to talk about we we could just talk for a whole show just for one sure. yeah. um so I've, I've tried to select some information that was either interesting or, or i felt you know had some value for this show and uh so his most recent record uh just now from 2022 uh is called broken specter and it chronicles the destruction of the brazilian amazon forest uh and uh, it, it's a collaboration uh w- it w- well it was accompanied accompanying a film installation by Richard Mose, um, and they sort of transform the natural sounds of the Amazon into a sort of music score to environmental disaster. And I thought that was uh, very creative, but also it reminded me very much of uh, Bernie Krause's work, who was a, he was a, a soundscape ecologist and uh, recorded many, many natural habitats around the world. Well, you might, you, might, you might also have heard the very first episode we did of the Roof English podcast service, where we traveled to Gazir to record a sound artist um, exactly, yeah. recording the mm-hmm. sounds of Iceland. And yeah, there exactly. is a, a map that you can still see online. It's called noisesfromiceland.com from memory. You'll certainly be able to search for it and find it where you can listen to the sounds of the island. And part of what she wants to do with the sounds that she has captured is to create a kind of music concrete or to use those sounds in some fairly radical musical ways. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I think her project is is fabulous. And I have, I think the music map she's done of Iceland is, yeah. uh, I think it's a very important project. And uh, a lot of countries do have similar uh, projects like this. Uh, because, you know, soundscape ecology is something that a lot of people don't know about, but it is an actual uh, discipline. And uh, with this record that Ben Frost did, uh, like I said, he's highlighting the destruction of the Amazon and uh, a couple of other 
names or artists that I've researched for this show have also dealt with these sort of environmental issues from a sound perspective. And because we do live in Iceland and it has this fantastic landscape uh, and these and these sounds that you don't come across in other places, uh, like, you know, like the crushing of, of ice or the sound of waterfalls or... Um, yes. Yeah, lava, lava sounds. Because uh, he also did another project uh, just now, just in March. He released uh, a project called Vakning, um, and it's uh, alongside Francesco Fabris, and they recorded magma and lava and sort of seismic rumbles and the rupturing of lava crust. Um, so he, Ben Frost, obviously has very uh, acute hearing, I think, uh, if that's correct. a decent correct. microphone. <laughs> yes, and definitely a decent microphone. Um, so he also has a vast discography, uh, beautiful if you want to, you know, if you want to go hiking, if you want maybe some concentration. Uh, I think it's very cinematic, very moving. Um, but uh, a lot of those tracks are rather long. Uh, and I have been following his work for many years. So I, I did select something off his 2017 album, uh, Ionia, and I selected the song, the set, uh, sorry, the, the record is called The Center Can't Hold, and the song is called Ionia. And uh, he did record that record with the almighty Steve Albini. So you know that that's going to sound good. <laughs>
Ben Frost with Ionia from the 2017 album The Centre Cannot Hold, and Steve Albini guesting on that as well. And you're right, Nadia, that was a mark of quality, wasn't it, in the presence of Mr Albini? This is the Roof English podcast, and we are looking at the vast and ever-growing history of Icelandic music, genre by genre, over the next few weeks. Electronic music is where we start, and where are we going next? Uh, next, we're going to an oddball, I would say, in, in the local scene, but also he's been around for very many years. Uh, his name is Bjarki, and uh, I think people also may have come across his music um, if they're researching sort of club nights or, or sort of DJ sets around uh, Reykjavik. And uh, he kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Affex Twin because he's he's quite weird and uh, <laughs> he has sort of weird samplings and uh, weird textures and sort of off offbeat off kilter rhythms and uh, he's he's done also sort of a he's not strict in his uh, style he goes from straight up techno music to sort of ambient stuff to IDM so intelligent dance music and um in recent years, he was picked up by Nina Kravitz's label, Trip Records, and Nina Kravitz is well-established in the um, international electronic music scene. And so he did a few albums with, with her label, but he's got over 10 albums in total. So again, pr pretty fast uh, discography. Um, and he also established, in 2016, he established BBBBBB Records, so that's six Bs. Uh, <laughs> I thought that you'd lent on the keyboard by mistake when you'd sent me the note, yeah. <laughs> but it is it is the le it's the letter B in lowercase six times. Six times, exactly lowercase. Yeah, uh, and so they the project there is to release sort of. Uh, uh, I think he he says outstanding techno madness. So you know that's uh, an indicator of what you might listen to, and it's sort of the weirder side of techno, but it's also fun. It's funky. It's. It's not necessarily, the, the projects on that label are not necessarily very uh, sort of tidy or clean cut techno, say like Berlin techno. And um, the most interesting acts I found from that label are EOD, uh, Skratar and Voloruptus. And from his uh, uh, sort of discography, I picked something uh, from his 2017 EP uh, called This 5321. Uh, and that's on Trip Records by uh, Nina Kravitz. So I figured we could listen to the track of the same name. So this 5321 by Bjarki.
Bianchi with this 5-3-2-1 from the EP of the same name from 2017. Um, Lydia, I've got my own contribution to make in terms of an anecdote to the history of Icelandic electronic music. And a friend of mine used to be in the band The Human League, Joe Callis, mm-hmm. who I've known for, for quite some time. And he told me a long time ago that when he left The Human League, the last gig he ever played was in Reykjavik. So that that amazing songwriting genius, Joe, of course, was behind so much of Dare and Hysteria. Um, when he decided to leave that band, he did so on a stage in, in, in Reykjavik in, I think, 1984, the Hysteria tour. And, and, I mean, that's a reminder as well, isn't it, that international pop music, international electronic pop music, was also popular in Iceland over the years. This isn't something that has grown or developed in isolation. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think people in Iceland still, they sort of never lost the connection to their musical past. I think, I think they still all listen to um, music from the past, from Iceland and from abroad continuously. And uh, like you said, yeah, there's definitely been an a international connection. And, and of course, well-known bands, you know, have come to Iceland and pr- played, whether it's in sort of uh, popular music or rock music or even hardcore music, electronic music. So um, hopefully, you know, also with this show, we'll be able to discover and highlight some of these very interesting uh, connections and and Mm. hopefully come up with some more anecdotes. Well, curiously, uh, and and this wasn't planned, and so much of what I do isn't, it's just serendipity, really. The next track we're going to hear is called Feels So Real to Be Human, as we talk of the Human League, and I guess their influence uh, in in both directions. This is from Triptych. Tell me about this. Yeah, indeed. Um, So Triptych, uh, written all caps without the I, so Triptych, (laughs) uh, is uh, a a techno project by Daniel Thorsteinsson, and uh, what I really like about his sound is he beautifully blends sort of really dark electronics and deep bass rhythms with sort of industrial elements. And uh, I do love techno music and I especially like the sort of dark, uh, deep bass uh, stuff. And um, his latest album, Inner Terrestrial MMXX3, so Inner Terrestrial 2003, runs for two and a half hours. Uh, and it, it it slightly moves away from uh, sort of beat-centric music. Uh, his previous albums, um, including a trilogy of albums, uh, there's definitely, they're heavy on the beats. And this one is a little more uh, dreamy. It's sort of trippy soundscapes, uh, futuristic sounds. It's really a, a beautiful record. Um, and I really one day would love to see him uh, put on a club night because you can tell that he knows what he's doing. Um, and so I think I think he would probably put on a really great show. So hopefully one day I can go down to uh, Reykjavik and, and see him. Uh, so, yeah, indeed, I picked a song. Uh, all of his songs are bangers, pretty much. I, <laughs> I had a really hard time selecting one. Um, but I selected something from his second LP called Anarchist's Adjustment. And uh, like you said, the title, which I also really like the title, feels so real to be human.
That is Triptych uh, with no I, Techno Project by Daniel Thorsteinson. And one more piece of music as we canter through, I, I guess, the contemporary history of Icelandic electronic music as much as anything else. Uh, once again, you've chosen an act with a name that doesn't immediately <laughs> lend itself to particularly easy Googling, does it? No, I think that's electronic music <laughs> overall so often. Yes, they're yes. very weird names. Um, so this is called uh, I-E-N, so double A-double-I-double-E-double-N, and it's the project of uh, Halmar Gauti Halterson, and it's uh, also an electronic project that's uh, polyrhythmic, let's say. It's been going since about 2015, and um, he's got uh, upbeat techno going, he's got moody ambient music going. Uh, he has his own label called uh, Rimar Tracks, uh, and he's also released via a local DIY label label called uh, FALK. So uh, it's an acronym, F-A-L-K. So F-Art, let's kill. Uh, I, I won't say the first uh, word. And uh, FALK Records, alongside a couple of others, you know, have been uh, very active in the last few years. And one of my favorite websites is Discogs because yeah. <laughs> it just, it, it's the the bible of uh, sort of music archiving and, and and finding records and you can go down a rabbit hole there but um without even going on to discogs uh you know you you will come across uh falc records uh bbbbb records we mentioned earlier uh, uh x slash oz music is another recent imprint that's headed by a local techno musician um uh, well, his name is Arvindur Snorrason, but most people probably know him as Adi Exo, mm. and it releases local techno acts, and they do lots of events uh, in Reykjavik uh, and, and shows, and they have another sub-label called Planet X, and they also do quality acts. You've got Thule Records, um, which also does sort of minimal techno stuff, and a sub-label called uh, I Recordings, so the Icelandic AE uh, stuck together. Um, so there's a lot of a lot, a lot of acts that you could uh, look at and listen to just by looking at one label. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, uh, I-E-N, uh, A-I-E-N, is uh, yeah on Falk Records. Uh, he's released at least three EPs and one full-length uh, LP. He's uh, been in various music projects, in including a hardcore band in the past called Distill the World. And he works with synthesizers, he's an instrument maker, he makes his own pedals, MIDI controllers, polyphonic synthesizers. Um, and I really like the sort of modular sound, even though it seems incredibly complicated to me, uh, because I don't know how to play this kind of music. But uh, I, I find there's always a different warmth to analogue equipment. Um, and I think this comes across in, in his uh, music as well.
Aim there. Uh, final piece of music we're playing today as we take a look and listen to Icelandic electronic music history. And just briefly there, I think we've got a sense of, uh, again, that Icelandic phenomenon, not just of everybody playing in each other's bands, Lydia, but of the incredible wealth of talent and creativity that comes from a country of just 360,000 people. And we're going to see that over the next few weeks in a variety of different genres, aren't we? Yes, definitely. Uh, the creativity is limitless, I feel. And uh, like I said earlier as well, you you find these connections not just between, say, a generation of artists, but all, mm. also intergenerationally. So, uh, you know, KK, uh, Kjartan Kristjansson may have started in the sort of 50s, but then you also see him come across in the 60s working with other artists. Then he's on the radio now and not out for. So, uh, uh, and you see this also, whether you're talking about Björk or more independent artists they they seem to work together quite easily and in a in a country that's rather small one might think that competition would take over and 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 uh you know there might not be a lot of collaboration but there is and i think this is great because it it um, and it, it's great because it offers us a lot of music but it does make categorizing these uh, <laughs> some of these bands rather hard they fit in multiple multiple uh, yes. sections that's a really important point about collaboration because you're right, it could so easily have gone the other way. It could be atomized. It could be, you know, everybody making music for themselves and the and five friends. But people do work together, people do collaborate, and that sparks off so many different other ideas, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and also uh, not just in music, you uh, you know, you notice that a lot of these artists they they do records, maybe they've also run a small label or maybe they've done soundtracks, uh, you know, So, or maybe they've put on music for theatres or dance productions. So, uh, and this is something that, you know, I think lends itself to to being an, uh, any kind of artist in Iceland is it's small, you can collaborate with lots of people. There is support for music artists and, you know, there's also a lot of great resources online if you are a musician, you know, sort of getting funding, making sure, you know, you have your uh, rights uh, upheld. Um, and so I think it's easy for musicians to then expand into other into other creative fields and vice versa, other creative fields then also play music. We are going to be looking and listening to the genres of jazz and we've also got uh, folk music and the rimor, which is a very particular kind of uh, a very Icelandic kind of, of music for reasons that we shall get into. Classical music, of course, and choirs and the way that the human voice is used to create music and has been over such a long period in Iceland. We've also got a category which is currently named and titled golden oldies i love that term even though sometimes i think it can uh you know it can be a bit unfair uh yeah. sort of old sort of suggesting maybe outdated but uh i've always loved music from uh the 50s and the 60s from all countries uh you know um and of course this was very popular also here in iceland and that's also connected to the the dances that they would have uh, you know, in, in smaller parts we around the country. Might have called this easy listening at some point, maybe, or, or, or crooning, I guess. It's classic singing, classic vocals. It is a genre of music which is very well represented at Kolaportif, the flea market in Reykjavik, which I heartily recommend everybody visits. Uh, it's open mm -hmm. at weekends between 11 and 5, and there's a vast selection of old vinyl records there which are going to be impossible to find anywhere else 
I would imagine. And they're very reasonably priced as well. So if you want to dive into this stuff, if you want to just mm-hmm. literally dive, dive into a box of Icelandic musical history, then Kolaportif is a great place to start. But of course, you can pick up used vinyl in many places these days, can't you? Yeah. Unfortunately, I've not been to the one down at Reykjavik, but uh, every time I go into Akureyri or any of the Red Crosses in here in the north, I always check out the record bin. Um, admittedly, uh, a lot of it can be compilations from sort of, you know, uh, popular Spanish music or, or let's say generic pop hits uh, from yes. around the world. Uh, and finding the Icelandic stuff uh, is also quite easy. Um, you you find a lot of a lot of it from, like you said, the fifties and sixties, and very reasonably priced. Um, but what I wanted to say is that the, in Iceland, this genre, like everywhere, I think because it was a time when you know music production, uh, the music industry, record pressing, you know, was a booming industry. It, it was an industry a little less than it is today um it 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 did uh boom here in iceland and i you know i have prepared a show around that and uh, i i've got some i've got some interesting things that i would like to share with you when the time comes well something that i find really fascinating and interesting and quite amusing actually i've got a couple of vinyl records which are in modern i think of rimur recordings which i got at kolaportif and they were released in, I think, the 1960s, and they're on the Parlophone record label, <laughs> the same label as the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> you think Icelandic Grimor music is probably quite niche compared with the Beatles, but I guess just by virtue of there not being an infrastructure in Iceland at the time to release music in that way, um, anything that was going to be released had to go to the big, in this case, big British labels. Yeah, yeah. And and I'd, I'd be very curious to explore more the history of uh, music production in Iceland. Uh, yeah, so, you yeah. know, if there's a pressing plant, like you said, labels that that took on this, uh, this endeavor, because, uh, yeah, being a small isolated uh, island, yeah, I'm sure it mustn't have been easy back in the day. And, and uh, you know, radio as well, of course, helped spread music around the world. But uh, I think even even with radio, uh, it would have been harder for Icelanders to perhaps, uh, you know, pick up music, uh, popular music from Europe, um, the way it was easier for Europeans, you know, much easier to to, to learn about it. Um, so I'd be very interested yet yeah, to see the history of who was instrumental in helping um, the Icelandic uh, pop scene, like you said, the crooner scene, uh, yes. boom, back in the 50s. And I think the dances definitely helped with that because... Even if people didn't, uh, wasn't it so easy for them maybe to record? Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, a lot of the musicians were recording in radio studios, as was tradition back in the day. Uh, I think it was very easy for them to become popular just by going, showing up and performing at these dances in all these small towns around Iceland. Must have been fantastic. It must have been. Lydia, thank you so much. We have a lot to look forward to in the next few weeks. And as we say, do get in touch with any suggestions, any ideas, any rabbit hole you'd like us to jump into. English at ruv.is, English at ruv.is is the email address. Lydia Athanasopoulou, thank you very much for your time. We'll talk again next week here on the Roof English podcast. You're listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.